Welcome to the Warrior Mama podcast, as we learn how to apply God's Word to our lives in motherhood, finding in big and small ways that the truth of the gospel applies not just to our lives as moms, but also to our children's lives, so that as we stand anchored in Him, we mother confidently with our hearts at rest. I'm so glad you're joining me today at the kitchen table. Welcome to the kitchen table this week. We are going to finally tackle, well, I feel like it's a finally, tackle the first in this long summer series about how do we build the foundation of our motherhood solidly so that when we encounter the questions of motherhood, we have the right answer. And today is the first day we're tackling one of the topics. We've been promising you topics. And this first topic I felt like was the first one we should tackle, which is what do we do with multiple kids who want to fight all the time? And the reason we're starting there is this is a summer series. And if you're like me, you are beginning to wonder, how can you help your kids not fight so much? I don't know if your summer's cracking out the way mine is, but already my two youngest, we are working on these concepts with great great. Well, I'm muscling out these concepts. They are maybe having to listen to them and deal with mommy saying these things over and over again. So I want you to know that number one, no family has this licked. So when the enemy comes at you with the fact that you're the only one whose kids fight, you know, that's not true. But also I want you to know that there is hope and there's truth and God leads us to his truth in his word. So we've been setting up this series talking about how do we combat the feeling that we're not a good mom by understanding what the gospel actually holds out to us in truth. And then how do we therefore anchor down into the gospel truths that we know for ourselves? How do we hear the voices and discern which one is a voice of the Holy Spirit calling maybe us to conviction, helping us see what is going on in our home that might be a pattern or a place that he wants to begin to work and move versus the voices that are speaking over his condemnation loudly and saying with great authority that you should be ashamed of how your home is. We want to combat that liar with the truth of God's word. So today we are jumping into this. Last week we talked about these five, these mandates that we're going to be kind of anchoring everything in. So if you missed the last episode, it was really the the six principles of motherhood based in the gospel. And really quickly, I'm going to just tell you what they are. Why? Because we're going to use that language today. And I don't want, I want to give you a little catch up right here at the beginning. So the first one is your child has great value and great worth. Not because you say that they're so great, mama, but because God does. And we anchored that to scripture. And then secondly, we as walking with Jesus, mamas, warrior mamas who are standing in in truth, we want to be able to separate the sin from the sinner. Their sin is not their identity, but we also recognize that their sin is going to lead them to their savior. So we're not afraid of their sin. We're not ashamed of their sin. And we greet that sin with the truth of who Jesus is, right? And then number four, we allow 
and understanding of heart motivations to take place. That is the place when these kids begin to dive down into why they are the way they are. And so this week, why are they always at one of their siblings' throats? Like, I know metaphorically, but like, why are they always fussing with that one kid in the family? If you have multiple kids in the dynamic, you know what I mean by that. You know that some kids are like sandpaper with each other and other sibling dynamics are actually really great and sort of easy. Why are they like that? But diving down into the heart motivation for that. And then we get the privilege. It is a sacred, holy privilege. This is point number four, that we get to offer and show them where grace and forgiveness is. It is not our grace and forgiveness. It is the grace and forgiveness found with Jesus Christ. But that will follow repentance. And then number five, my job, your job, our job is just to offer a pivot, to offer a hope pivot, to offer a hand to hold and help in the healing. Like our job is to sit in that moment and work like the pivot point and flip them back to Jesus and keep pointing out his hope, keep pointing out his truth, keep pointing out who he is in the midst of this this learning, this growing place for them. And then point number six that we're keeping ever forefront in our minds is God intimately knows my child. So he holds all of the secrets. And specifically this week, he holds the reason why these two children have friction. He holds the reason why this child just kind of feels like all they want to do is be disagreeable. He knows. He knows the, and with intimacy, the heart of your child. And again, go back to that episode. Here are these scriptures that anchor each of these six points. Because we are not building, y'all, on a foundation of opinion or what other moms do or what seems to work best and you can read about in this book or that magazine. We are going to build on the foundation of God's word. Why? Because that is the invitation Jesus gives us. And we talked about this at the very beginning. We talked about truth that God invites us in Matthew 7 to build your house on the rock so that when the rain falls and the floods come and the winds blow and beat on that house, and maybe for you this summer, your kids fighting feels a lot like a storm. But I want you to understand, and at the end of this episode, to have key scriptural truths that you can take back into your prayer life, take back into your your Bible study time, and take apart with the Holy Spirit and understand how you can incorporate them into your day with your child or children. And with confidence, speak the truths of God's word, pivot them to the hope and the healing that Jesus alone offers. In that, my friend, there is great peace and there is great rest, even when there is chaos of fussing and fighting kids. Like you can literally, I promise you, you can stand in that moment and you can pivot your own mind back to the truths of God's word. So we are going to build today on a foundation, but before we do that, we're going to break apart what we hear. What do we hear about sibling rivalry? And I know I'm not going to hit every single thing that we hear, every single 
way somebody tells us to fix our kids and have a new sibling dynamic by Friday. But I want you to understand first that these are ways we may, at the end of this 25 minutes together, choose some of the same theories, but we're going to choose them because the word of God invites us to choose them. And we are going to bank everything on Jesus in God's word. And we are not going to bank our lives and the ch- our lives of our children and the hearts of our children and how we are getting to shape our kids on the ideas of man, on like opinion. We're going to ground it in the word of God. Okay, so let's get this going. So I want you to know something about kids who fight. Did you know that on average, children in families, there's there was a study that I was reading about, and they estimate that it is in a normal family dynamic, typical for, for two children, two siblings to fight eight times an hour. Did you know that? That to me sounds crazy. If you break that down mathematically, oh my goodness, that is like every seven minutes, there's a squabble or a fuss. So it's no wonder, right? That there are days when you feel like you're about to be going crazy because your children keep fussing at one another. Did you also know that in the same study, 70%, of the families interviewed, and I don't know if they were all mothers or mothers and fathers, I don't know that part, I can't remember that part. 70% said that that fussing squabbling turned into some sort of a physical altercation. So not only is it verbal, is it na-na and and shouting at one another or fussing at one another, but that it may end up being a shove, may end up being a kick. You know, one person kicks the other person's shins. Could be, a, you know, like in our family, and, you know, this is, here's our great secret. There's not been a Kimsey kid who hasn't tried to use that, I didn't mean to, after the other child is in tears because somehow they were hit, pushed, knocked over, you know, maybe they were bending over the other kid walks by and throws them the flipper with their arm and down they go. And and that more aggressive child always wants to hide behind. I didn't mean to. So I understand this dynamic. I live this dynamic, have lived it for 20, let's say 23 years, because my first child was, is 24, about to be 25. And the second one didn't come onto the scene. So he really wasn't that fussing and fighting until she came on the scene when he was 18 months old. And since then, with all of the ones we've had, there has been this dynamic of fussing and fighting. And so many experts tell us many different recommendations. I think the most popular ones right now, and the ones that you're going to hear over and over again, if you scroll through social media, if you flip through a magazine when you're sitting in the doctor's office, or if you are just trying to Google it, you're going to hear and you're going to see things and recommendations that stay, say stuff like, well, you as the mom should stay calm. You should stay neutral in the middle of a rivalry moment. You should provide a calm down space, you know, a place where these two different parties can separate and chill out for a while so that when they come back together, They can be clear-headed 
and communicate their differences well and be able to work it out. We hear that communication is key to this, right? And over and over again, we also hear this messaging that, you know, that kids fighting with one another is totally normal, totally appropriate, and totally fine. You just have to kind of get through it, mama. Ride it and get through on the other side and hope for the best. So what does the word say? What does Jesus say about this? Because he actually had sibling rivalry in his crew. Did you know that? Did you know that when Jesus was walking with his disciples, James and John are fussing and fighting. They're fussing and fighting with each other. They're fussing and fighting with the other disciples. They want to be first. They want to be right next to Jesus. They want to be numbers one and two. And I think they're fighting over who gets to be number one. It's kind of like if you have ever had a couple kids close in age where they want to sit next to you. And everybody wants to sit next to you on one side. And so they're just constant squabbling over who's going to sit there or who's going to be right behind you or who's going to do this with you, right? And and there was fussing and fighting inside of the ranks of the disciples with two brothers who really, really wanted to promote themselves. And yet Jesus worked with them. In fact, there's no place in scripture that it would seem like he just comes out and berates them and yells at them for fussing and fighting. There's no place that he actually even just labels them as, oh, these brothers don't get along and they can't get along with anybody else. Remember when we talked about on our things that Jesus was able to separate the sin from the sinner and he addressed the sin in that moment. When these guys are fussing and fighting by doing one thing, he created a word picture in that moment. He drew in a child and he set that child in front of him. And he said, unless you can become like a child, then you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That this is what walking with me is about. You know, he says, whoever humbles himself like a child. He is the one who'll be greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's the one who wants to go low, not the one who demands rights. And a lot of what we see with our kids is a demanding of rights. It's a demanding of acknowledge me, see me, let me. Let me be first. Let me be best. Let me be heard first or heard easy, you know, it's all about the me. And when we go back to these principles where we're saying, okay, we have this child and we see their sin for what their sin is. Their sin is in essence, self-love all about themselves, right? Self-focus. It really goes back all the way to the garden where in every single one of us, every single one of us wants to buy the lie. Well, What about you? You better protect you. You better help yourself. Understand it's about you. And in in essence, make yourself your own God, right? Control your space. And that's what we see even with our little people. Why? 
because we are all sinners. But we want to separate the sin from the sinner. And so we identify that, oh, that's what's going on. We have two chief sinners, right? Both of them wanting what? They both want themselves to be preeminent. And then, though, when we begin to go and allow for looking into the heart motivations in that moment, and we begin to have these conversations about what is driving you, yes, I think that we could agree that you and I come from a neutral zone. Like remember we talked about some expert in the world says, well, you know, just remain neutral and just hear both sides. Well, yes, in some ways, practically, yes. We want to sit down with each child individually and say, why are you having trouble with your brother? Why are you having trouble with your sister? Let me hear from you your perspective. Without me labeling anything, I want to hear from you. Then I want to ask really good guiding questions. Why do you think you are feeling that way? What do you think you're thinking is happening here? Do you think that, and then fill in the blank with what you think might be happening, and give them space. They may say, no, that's not it at all. We're going to drop down to idea number six. God knows your child intimately and you can seek his guidance. He welcomes that question and he delights in answering that question. Go back to Jeremiah 33, 3. Go back to James 1, 5. Stand on the truth of that word. But we're going to seek out their heart motivation. We're going to hear the lies that they're believing in that moment. We're going to want to hear that. Why? Because when when our children begin to examine their heart, then we have this place where we can talk about their heart in the sinful state that it has shown and give them the testimony we have, which is Jesus came for that sinful state. I have hope for you. I have help for you. And I have healing for you. Remember, that was that point that we talked about, that we're the pivot piece. We have hope for them. His name is Jesus. We have help for them. It's the Holy Spirit. We have healing for them. It's what God does to us. As he heals us from the ways that we have misalignment in our belief, even as a young child. Now I'm putting it in big people terms and big people language for you and for me because we can handle it. But bringing these concepts down into that little child's language of saying, I know somebody who can help you when you just want to believe that it should be your way. Do you want me to tell you what I know about Jesus? You see, that's how we talk to somebody who's super young. And we begin to say, let me tell you about Jesus. He knew you were going to struggle with being somebody who could share or not share. He knew you were going to struggle with being kind with your words, that it would be hard for you some days. He knew that you would believe that you should always be first. See, that's the way we have these conversations in very young years. Now, in the older years, conversation goes a little bit differently, right? We don't have to have that simplistic language. We can talk in easier ways. So I don't feel like you probably need help there. 
But I want to now plant us in, why is it important? Does God say, eh, you know, sibling rivalry, it just kind of happens. It's in all families, and I get it. From the beginning of time, I mean, Cain killed Abel. Like, I get it. Is that God's heartbeat about siblings? Is that really what he thinks? He's like, yeah, I mean, it's going to happen from the very beginning. Or is God actually after something different in the landscapes of our home? And I believe he's after something different. And I believe when we begin to embrace what his word says in Romans 12, we become a set-apart people. And the light of Jesus shines out of our home. It shines out even when our kids have trouble with one another, but they're out and other people watch them. And they go, there's something different about the way they interact. I know he was mad at her or she was really frustrated with him. And yet there was something different. So what is it? Where can we hang our motherhood in terms of sibling rivalry? What can we pray for? What can we pray against? How do we know the lane we are to walk in in this as a mom? Where is it? I think it sits in Romans 12. So I want to talk to you about Romans 12 for the rest of this time. In Romans 12, it begins, and we know the beginning of Romans 12. Probably all of us have read this. Probably we've done a Bible study on it or something. But it says this. It says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Paul is writing to a group of people. He's writing into believing people. And he's saying, listen, this is what I'm telling you. Do this. Make this your lifestyle. Make this who you are as a group. Make your lives be renewed, be transformed. Why? So that you can test and approve what is good and acceptable. So then he keeps going and he goes, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of yourself more highly than he might to think. But to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So to me, this verse is a, is a pretty pivotal verse in our children's lives, but predominantly pivotal in my life. I am a believer who has walked with Jesus much longer than any of my kids. For most of you, you probably have that same testimony. You are the one whose faith has been given to you way earlier then your children's faith has been granted to them if they're saved, right? And we know that God gives faith. Why? We see that over and over again in Ephesians 2.8, in Hebrews 12.2, in 1 Timothy 1. We see that God is granting faith to us. He is growing faith in us. It is his gift and it is growing in us. So, you know, the reality is as we walk with Jesus, we grow deeper in our faith. And we probably each have testimonies of be like, yeah, I'm much deeper in my walk with Jesus now than I was when I was 8 or 12 or 22 or 28, whenever you came to know Jesus. That's the growing in our walk with Jesus, right? So this scripture is in essence saying, look, I, I want you to think of yourself, but I, I, I really want you not to think more highly than you ought to think of yourself. 
And so for us as moms, we need to, number one, when we engage in a place where our children are heated, we want to come in with this thought forefront in our mind. Do not engage more with an idea that you are more highly, you know, thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to, Bethany. Why? But understand the faith that God has given you and sit inside of the truth of the gospel, what Jesus is offering in this moment. Only Jesus is offering what in this moment? He is offering forgiveness, cleansing. When there is repentance, there is healing that happens. There is heart change. There are relationships restored. That is what the hope of this moment is. But I cannot come in with an attitude of, I cannot believe y'all are fighting again. I need to come in thinking very much soberly about what is happening here. And then if you keep going on, it says, you know, in one body we're many members, members, we don't all have the same function. So this is where Paul is saying, like, listen, you're in a body. And the reality is in your family, you're in a body. You're in a body. And your family shines the light to a lost and dying world. And we want it to shine brightly. But that means as we lead, we want to paint this picture of, hey, we love each other because Jesus loves us and we work together. And we understand some days some people work well and some days some people are on the struggle bus. And we have grace for that and we have mercy for that. Okay, so that's in essence what he's saying there. So we're going to drop down into the meat. That's all the setup. So we're going to drop into the meat, which is in Romans 12, starting down here in Romans 12, 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. And if possible. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves. Leave it to the wrath of God. Okay, so this is a really heady and strong and, oh my gosh, so full of verbs passage, right? All these things to do. But what I want you to begin to understand is when we have a place that we can begin to say, these are anchoring hooks for our family of how we are going to love one another well as a body, how we are going to engage and show each other and understand that it is a process. It is a transforming of our mind where we're going to have to renew our mind every day so that we can see what is good and acceptable and right. But these are the ways These are the hooks that we're going to put down in the soil and say, we're standing on these. This is our foundation. We're going to be genuine with our love. We're not faking it. So that means sometimes love looks like 
I don't like what you said to me. That was unkind. You see, love doesn't say, let's just gloss over it and fake it and act like that didn't happen and that child didn't say something ugly to another child. It's pausing and saying, hey, that did not sound loving. What was your heart there? Right? I'm diving into the heart. What was going on beneath the surface? What were you thinking in that moment when you said that about your sister or your brother? It didn't sound loving. Am I misjudging you? Did it come out wrong? Right? We're going to give some space for their own correction. But we are going to say we're calling one another for our love to be genuine. We're calling one another to be affectionate and to outdo one another in showing honor. That's an important one in family dynamics because siblings are the easiest ones to poke fun at another and to insult and to bring shame, to speak words of shame and death over another. Why? Because we have great intimacy with each other. And so as the ones who are holding this overarching umbrella of we're going to love in a genuine way. We're going to be watching out for those moments where honor hasn't happened. And we're going to go, hey, you know what? We want to be a family who outdoes one another in showing honor. And what you said there was not honoring. Can you explain to me what was going on in your heart and share with me a little bit about why you felt motivated in that moment playing with that sibling to speak out the words that really brought embarrassment or shame or guilt or something to your brother or your sister? Can you help me understand that? Why am I doing that conversation? And I do that conversation big and little. I will drive everybody into that language and drive everybody into that conversation. Why though? Because I really want them to see that they fall short. Because we all fall short. See, that's my testimony with my kids. And my kids know that. I can be very dishonoring. I can be very unloving. And I can, I can go down this list and I will promise you I have not done all these things a lot. But, but I have Jesus and he is calling me to repentance and he promises to cleanse me and to work on changing me, making it so that the next time I stop in the middle of the sentence and the next time I stop with just the thought in my head. So we want to speak into our children, not just, hey, what are you doing? Or, hey, that was me. We want to dive down into the heart motivation. That was that point number three. Dive down into the heart motivation. Why? Because when we dive down there, we expose their need for Jesus. And when we expose their need for Jesus, we can become to that pivot point where we say, hey, there's a hope for you. There is a hand for you. And there is healing for you. None of that is me. All of that is from God. And I want to walk with you and help you access that and understand that and come face to face with that. I want you to understand your great need for him and rejoice when he is at work in your life. That's what I'm praying for you. And I want to walk with you in that, right? And when we begin, when we begin to do that, 
And when we begin to go, God, help me understand this child and why this is a perpetual problem this summer with this kid. God will download into you great wisdom and discernment so that you can speak to the crevices of their heart that maybe you didn't see before. Maybe you just always thought this kid was short-tempered and rude. I mean, I've thought that before about kids until God began to expose to me what was going on way deep under the surface. I've thought some kids are just obstinate, just unwilling to be helpful or, you know, go, like get along. They didn't have very much get along ability. It's what I used to think. Oh, until God began to show me with his wisdom how to see that child and understand the heart of that child. So I want you to know, as we're wrapping up here, Romans 12 can be this linchpin place, but you need to spend time in the word. You need to spend time with Jesus going, show me how Romans 12 relates to my family. Not so that you can beat your kids over the head and just quote almost like a Jesus juke, you know, hey, we need to live peaceably with one another. Or, hey, your love should be genuine. That's not the heartbeat here. So if we don't go back to the six overarching principles of motherhood, of a grace-based, gospel-centered motherhood, that my child has great value and worth. They don't deserve, they don't need a Jesus to banging over the head of scripture. They need this gentle, loving, humble approach with me knowing and thinking not very highly of myself, but knowing, you know, all that I know about Jesus because Jesus has given it to me. So I'm going to turn around, I'm going to sit with you. And then we separate the sin from the sinner. We say, hey, there is grace and forgiveness for you, but it's it is when you repent. So we need to dive into the heart. We need to understand why your heart is being motivated in this way and see the sin where the sin lays. And then we offer that pivot. We show them Jesus. And then we sit and we watch with wonder as God helps us intimately and compassionately walk with our child. There are going to be a lot of days where it feels like all you do is talk and nobody's listening and you've spent a ton of time doing this and you feel like you are just completely spinning your wheels. And I want you to know, mama, you are planting seeds in fertile ground and we're going to pray over those seeds and we're going to water those seeds and we're going to till that soil over and over because it takes a long time to grow. It just does. None of this is an overnight thing. I cannot tell you you're going to have new kids by Friday. If you listen to this on Wednesday, you, you won't have new kids by July. But I promise you this. Number one, God hears your prayers. So praying Romans 12 over your family and over your home. Do it. Stand in his word. Anchor in his truth. Speak it out with great humility and great affection and love for the children God has given you the privilege of stewarding and know that he is at work and he will do it. He will do it. As always, you can reach out to me on Instagram. If this has been a great episode for you, will you please share it? Like think of all of your you know, your besties and all your friends and just begin to send these podcasts out to your friends because if you need it, they need it. 
Don't wait until somebody says, oh my gosh, my kids are driving me crazy. All they do is fight all the time. Just go ahead and send it to them because a lot of times we don't want to admit that because we're pretty sure nobody else's kids are fighting as much as ours. So just let's begin to love one another well. And this is a way you can do that. Send this out. If you love it, post a review over on like Apple iTunes or on Spotify. That just helps other people find the podcast. And that is always a joy for me to read what you think. And reach out to me. Know that you can always reach me. I appreciate talking and spending time learning these truths along with you. Thanks for listening this week to the Warrior Mama podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support other Warrior Mamas, I'll tell you that one of the best ways that you can do is you can just share this podcast with your friends. You know, sometimes we love to talk about the things we like the most for our face, for our life, for our kids. Can I tell you that it would be a great blessing to begin to share with other moms the things that God is teaching you and the ways that He is growing you in Him. Our prayer over here at the Warrior Mama Podcast is that this podcast is something that does that for you in your life. So feel free to share it with your friends, post about it on social media, and of course, leave a rating and a review. I love seeing what God is doing in your lives. And I look forward to sitting with you at the kitchen table again next week.